saluto a tutti Ciao Juventini, good morning, victory Sunday upon us, and oh, Joey Cap, come on man, the air is fresher today, you know, everything just feels that little bit better today, salutate capoliste baby, top of the table for now, we had to sweat it out, but ladies and gentlemen, take it any way you can get it, overall, we got what we deserved, and the fact that the chihuahuas were yipping made it Oh, so much sweeter. So much sweeter. Flood warnings in effect from their tears because Juve is back at top of the table for now. <laughs> but we are going to cover the match. We're going to cover everything, all the talking points. We've got uh, even L'Arbitro Nick, our friend, was fired up about this one. We're definitely going to talk about it, okay? Um, just a lot to cover. First off, the housekeeping, all right? First and foremost, if you're listening on your audio outlets, get over to YouTube, okay? Subscribe to the channel. And you don't want to miss on the King Kong giveaway, okay? Two signed 8x10s from Giorgio Chiellini. Two King Kong tees, the winner chosen next weekend. And we are getting ready to uh, unveil the next giveaway for another kit. We have nine more kits to give away this season. So get over to YouTube, subscribe, okay? You have to be subscribed to be a winner. Then... Ways to support. Guys, thank you for all the support. Yesterday, that watch along was absolutely lit. Okay, it was fire. Uh, we clipped uh, the celly for me on uh, Cambiasso's goal. And you guys uh, were all uh, loving that clip. It was that, great. Uh, clip. It was great. I uh, also had another clip. Uh, you know, might have busted out the DX uh, pose for uh, the Chihuahuas out there. So you guys were loving that too. I appreciate all the support. That watch long was a ton of fun. It went from something that was probably going to be a very, very frustrating rant at the end into uh, a beautiful Fino alla fine moment, which is epic. Always, always epic. Okay. Thank you guys. Other ways to support, obviously, Super Chat is enabled. We have memberships. Everybody that was just gifted 10 memberships, reach out to us so we can plug you into the private group uh, chat in WhatsApp, okay? And then, of course, the uh, merchandise. And one of the topics we always talk about, Amici di Nessuno, hey, it was evident yesterday, and we are going to cover that as well. Joe, you ready to rock, brother, or what? Born ready. Let's there you this. go. There you go. We're going to say what's up to uh, some of our friends here in the AJC Army as we got Bobby Davaros here that tried to take it from us using all means. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Hey, again, Amici di Nessuno, everybody. We got Tony Trim coming in here. Again, an absolute pleasure to have uh, our brother on yesterday during the preview show. Okay, had a lot of fun with him and Reno from Calcio with Reno Z. Ciao, AGC and Juventini. I'm glad our play style will not be the talking point today, although the ref tried taking it away from us. Fino alla fine mentality persevered. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful stuff. Keen, his back must be sore this morning from carrying the team. Man of the match, no doubt. Max could have left him in longer to get the goal he deserved. Bravo, Moise. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, the substitutions for the most part. Uh, all end up being on point, but we'll talk about that for sure. Uh, Southam Max was on point with his subs. We don't get that goal with Millet creating havoc in the box. Millet came in and had that impact for sure. Ciao, Dom. L'arbitro Nick. Andiamo. Let's go. Moise needs to start from uh, next match. Uh, yeah, well, we're going to talk about it all, everybody. We're going to get into this, and we're going to rock and roll, okay? So we get our uh, starting uh, lineup and everything, and uh, it was as 
expected. No surprises there. And honestly, we didn't have any problems other than potentially starting uh, Cambiasso because you figured if Chiesa wasn't in there, he just wasn't quite ready, okay? Um, which is fine. Gatti, Bremer, uh, Rugani. We had Chesney, obviously, in goal. Wea, McKenny, Locatelli, Rabio, Kostic, uh, Vlaovic, and Kane. Um, we're going to get to... Uh, the first thing was the thoughts on L'Arbitro Nick because this is going to play along with uh, covering the game and just quickly recapping what, what happened. So we're going to get his recap and get his thoughts on Feliciani here. Was Gravina in the VAR room? That's his begin. <laughs> That's the beginning of uh, L'Arbitro Nick talking about his thoughts on Feliciani. So he goes, was Gravina in the VAR room? This is a general rule of thumb when referees are assigned to professional games. The high-priority games obviously get the best referees, usually in this order. One, top-of-the-table clashes. Two, relegation battle clashes. And three, top-table teams playing relegation teams away. After these are prioritized with other situational factors, they fill in the blanks. It was evident that Feliciani was Rocky's scraps as Juve played a bottom-of-the-table team home. This was by far one of the most out-of-control games I've seen from a game management perspective. Several missed yellow cards and a few questionable key match decisions when half the yellow cards in a match, not counting Cambiasos, are for dissent. That's when you can start questioning the referee's control of the game. Man, that's a spot-on assessment and probably exactly how I feel. Uh, Joe, anything to add with that? Pretty yeah, Nick spitting, Nick spitting fire with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. Like, Nick was uh, spitting fire for sure, for sure. When, and, uh, when, like he mentioned, it's just like if all of those are coming from dissent, then how much control of the game does the referee actually have? Exactly, exactly. I will also uh, share this because I absolutely loved it. And uh, this probably, uh, it came well before he turned uh, this into me. But uh, this was uh, L'Arbitro Nick uh, yesterday, one of the first WhatsApp messages I got. Let's see. Andiamo! Andiamo! <laughs> oh my god man i was i was dying nick uh you're a beauty don't ever change uh one of the best uh messages you could get um and i think we all know what he's saying you know vaffanculo italia but that was uh that was gold absolute gold nick now we get to the game 12 minutes in, okay, Moise Keane uh, battles into a 50-50, beats his man after receiving the after recovering the ball, cuts the next guy inside, starts to penetrate the back line, cuts inside again and takes a hit, a one-hopper, beats Montipo, and uh, man, I'm losing it. Uh, Moise Keane uh, kicking things off the way he did against Milan, just uh, hungry and driven and getting after it, but man, called back. So, I thought they were calling it back on the 50-50 challenge for the ball recovery. That's what I thought it was the entire time. On the watch along, all of a sudden, they're saying, no, man, offside, offside. And my feed had not gone to that replay quick enough. And then, you know, sooner or later, they finally pop up uh, the image. And we the start image. to see that it's a heel that has literally gone offside for uh, Moise Kane. And... Uh, that's just uh okay by rule yeah 
it is offside because he's barely over that line. But my issue is we have to really reevaluate this rule in general. There are also other places which Nick brings up in his uh, review, and we're going to get to uh, Nick's review uh, in a bit here, but uh, there are other places that go with a 10-millimeter rule. Okay, so we're just going to pop this image here. We're just going to leave it there so everybody could see it. as we're I mean, it's ridiculous. Even at this frame, you can't even tell until you zoom right the hell in. But nonetheless, a rule's a rule. It's a heel off. Okay. But uh, we're going to get to uh, Nick here, and he says, Not much to say here because Keane was offside by a millimeter. This is an objective ruling with technology. Personally, I believe the 10-millimeter rule that was implemented in other countries should apply to semi-automatic offsides as well because there, if a call's within 10 millimeters, the call on the field is what actually remains, okay? So, you know, interesting stuff here, but for me, you know, it... We got to really look at this. And I've been saying for a while, change it, change it to the edge of the defender's waist. Because the whole point of the offside in general is to take away advantages. You don't want the, mm -hmm. adva the advantages. The funny, the, the, fu the absolute funniest thing about this offside is that the play is actually going the opposite direction. Okay. And if you look at this positioning from Moise Kane, if you had made it my rule, which is you've got to be beyond that defender with your waist, his waistline, the edge of his waist. If the majority of your waist is beyond that, I believe you're in an advantage. Okay. But the funniest thing about this play is it's actually going reverse of where yeah. the offside is getting called. And you, you got to take all judgment out of it because it's this. They're going strictly with that line. That's fine. Other countries are using 10 millimeter rule. Look. It's chintzy, and you really got to start looking at the rule itself when things are getting called off for this. Yes, this by rule needs to get taken away, but my issue is not with that. It's with the rule itself because there's no advantage on this whatsoever. Joe, your hmm. thoughts? Let's call it what it is, Al. It's bullshit. Like, look at look at look at this. Look yeah. at this. That 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 is that is not offside to me whatsoever. Sure, by the letter of the law. And the automatic offside, yeah, sure. But I remember even when during the the actual game when the offside ruling was made, and they kind of they bisect the line and they show you the portion of the player that's offside. It was like a part of his boot was offside. So like, yeah. what are, what are we doing here? What are yeah. we doing here? It doesn't make any sense. There's no clear advantage to keen whatsoever that what we're i feel like he's doing every keen is doing everything by the book here yeah. and we're like we're punishing him we took away a the referee took away a great goal from keen it's like he's getting punished for doing everything right it, it just it doesn't make any sense to me yeah, it's uh, it's just a frustrating one. Again, it's not the fact that this was called back that I have a problem. With. It's the rule itself because that's just got to be uh, it's got to be taken care of. You and and this is a great point too, which we're gonna get to further on. Is that the technology has changed this like the spirit of the rule in a sense, and we need to amend that rule to fit the technology. That's 
spot on absolutely spot on okay it's also what it's done is suck the life out of football itself to be honest mm -hmm. and this is how i i expressed myself in uh the whatsapp chat uh, yesterday uh with the team chat sorry it's it's like if it's gonna come down to this okay and we're not gonna amend the rules if the rules stay the same and this is what it's gonna get I would rather go back to human error because it was closer to calling what was an advantage and what wasn't than what we're seeing now, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I if the rule doesn't change and we keep it like this and to that degree, I would much rather go back to just human error. If we amend the rule and we make it suitable so that it actually fits true advantages, then I'm fine with it. But this is bullshit. And any of the chihuahuas out there that are yipping, if the shoe was on the other foot, okay, and it was them, they would be livid too. This is not good for football in general, okay? Yeah, you bet your ass. Yeah. When you see this shit here, it's just not good for football, period, okay? So they have to realize that as well. Banter is banter, but wake up because uh, this is garbage. Stuff like this is garbage. Nonetheless... Okay, you get your uh, 1-0, it's called back, okay? So, all right, that's all right. Keen looks raring to go. Let's keep her going, okay? Uh, 19th minute, Locatelli with a great switch field. And I thought this is another thing we were lacking yesterday because a lot of it was slow in the first half and we weren't switching enough, but we also couldn't find Locatelli enough. And Rabiel's not going to switch it. McKenney's not going to switch it. And none of the other guys were really doing it. Bremer had tried one. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, but uh, Locatelli, switch field to Kostic. This was a beautiful take from Kostic. And the funny thing about Kostic, we'll get to it, but he showed us literally everything. Uh, took us through all ranges. The good, the bad, and the ugly, and the downright horrific in that first half. But this was beautifully taken. Chest down, uh, on the run. A low hard cross right on the foot of Kane. It was his left foot, his off foot, and he just couldn't put this thing back post. And this guy, you feel for him because you're seeing what he's putting in. Shift after shift after shift. He needs that one. He scored that beauty, got called back for the nonsense we talked about. Um, it's just, it's frustrating. We had a couple other moments here too. So, and this is where we get to the officiating. I called this one out immediately. Because we had a situation where Vlaovic, after dis distributing the ball, went to get into the play in kind of a 1-2 scenario, was ripped down by Dawidovic, okay, in the attacking phase. He pulls Vlaovic, this is from Larbitro Nick too, he pulls Vlaovic down from behind as he tries to run forward to assist in the attack. Feliciani correctly played advantage here, but he did not go back after the play, okay, to caution uh, the Verona player. This is definitely considered a reckless challenge as he is pretty aggressively pulling a player's shirt from behind and bringing him to ground. Another consideration is that he is challenging the opponent without any chance of playing the ball. This was a clear yellow card that was missed. This one I had a huge, huge problem with. I saw he gave advantage. I was like, that's great, but he never returned to it. And I was like, you're kidding me that he's not getting a yellow card for this. And meanwhile... Mm -hmm. We're 19 minutes in, and I've already seen Verona players flopping like a sack of potatoes on the slightest contact, and we're only 20 minutes into this game, okay? And that was just a sign of what was to come, okay? Honestly, the rest of this first half, nothing really, you know, 
coming out of it for big opportunities or anything like that. A couple scrambles across the uh, area of goal there. A lot of aimless crossing, slow tempo. In the end, we finish up the half with Bremer clearing a cross that came in from uh, Duda after he was... Uh, Jesus, turning McKenney seven times over there before finally letting the cross in. Bremer clears it, but only as far as Bonazzoli, who lashes at it on a volley. Good stop from Tech. The only time he's really called upon, but makes it go in at half. Joe, your thoughts at halftime? Uh, I was really feeling for Keane. You could feel like he had goals in him today. He was really, I mean, yesterday he was really gunning for it. Um, I felt like we were slow. For the most part, you yeah. know, I, I wanted to see a little bit more uh, Kostich. Like you said, he was uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. Um, couldn't find Locatelli enough to really make a difference. Um, like I said, passing slow. Other than that, um, you know, not not too, too much to report on. But, yeah, that yeah. was the first half in a nutshell. For me, you just, you got to, because you, you got to get the win. These next three were must-wins. Starts with Verona, Fiorentina, then Cagliari before the break. Have to win them. So for me, it's like, where's the pressure? Where's the sense of urgency? Like, where's the getting out? Verona Verona was literally clamped down from the start. They maintained balance decent enough in the first half, but I felt a lot of that was from us, to be honest. And we needed to do a better job to, to get them, you know, put under more more duress mm-hmm. but a lot of that came from playing in centrally we called it we called it in the pregame it's we know when Juve struggles to create and generate some chances and that is when teams take away the flanks or try their best to take away the flanks when they widen out what do you got to do you got to send bodies but you got to play centrally we got to do that there was sequences in the first half where Wea had started to move in because our Metzalas, if we're not going to use them and they're not going to, you know, get involved and we want to push them forward, you still have to occupy that space and you still have to get players going in through there. Kostic didn't really do it and he had a few decent moments from the flank, but Weya started to move in centrally, it started to help. But then you had Gatti start to carry in and start to get into there and that's a little risky and you don't want to do that first half because you don't want to really give them anything, right? But I thought we need to use the central area more. And this game kind of highlighted why I don't like a midfield that occupies McKenney and Rabio. There are games it's going to work. And there are others mm-hmm. when you need to go through centrally, it's probably not going to happen. And it's going to be a struggle. So for me, I don't like that midfield. It's not a knock on either one of those players. But for me, it's kind of like a one or the other situation. And you see the difference even with Moretti coming in. In the second half, Weah goes out. McKenney is, for me, McKenney's better at right wing back. But we'll talk about that later, okay? Um, now, that's what I wanted to see. We get a halftime sub that I didn't expect, and it was Miretti coming in. But Weah ends up getting taken out. Max Allegri says in his press conference, look, Weah was having issues with the flexor, uh, flexor. I still wanted to bring someone more technical into the midfield. Yes, yes, you needed it. You needed it in this game especially the way we could barely get the ball to Locatelli. And what Moretti did was actually help starting to get Locatelli more on the ball based on his movement and his involvement. Locatelli made some key passes in the second half. I thought his I thought his change from first half to second half was massive. Massive way change better. in Locatelli. Way better. Yeah. 
Yeah, now we get to the second half. 49th minute, Rabio with a nice turn, running at the 18, has an overlap there from Kostic, decides to strike it. This was a good hit. Forces a stop mm -hmm. from Montipo. Where's our corner kick for fuck's sakes? We didn't, like, the watch-along's going, and all of a sudden it's goal kicking. I'm thinking, are we serious? Like, nobody saw it touch him? Like, he made the save. That thing's going in. And uh, we get no corner kick out of it. And I'm just laughing. I'm like, okay, it's going to be one of those days. Okay. 52nd minute, Keane does well on the flank. Dishes it to Locatelli. Dishes it to Gatti, who then drops it for McKinney, who puts a beautiful cross in. Okay, Keane runs in, smashes this one in with his header. Far side, inside the post. 1-0. Let's go, baby. No. Nope. No, no, no. No. Nah. No, no, no. Nah, nah, nah. So, and when you watch the video, that's Verona's captain, everybody. That's their captain. Fuck. Embarrassing shit. But they were doing it all game. We talked about them doing it 20th minute. Talked about a ref not really shutting the simulation down. A lot of dissent through this game. Um, no control. This was a joke, but... Is it supportable? Okay, sure, it's supportable. But sure. we'll get to uh, Nick. So, Nick, as Keane is battling for the ball before the counterattack, VRR and the referee ended up deeming Keane's arm making contact with Ferroni's face to be a foul. There are a few different considerations we could try to look at here. Does the player make fair or unfair contact with the opponent after touching the ball? Hitting an opponent in the face with the arm? Certainly unfair contact. However, my question is, was the contact negligible? Okay. Looking at the replay of Ferioni flopping after he saw Kane scored, we can easily say, yes, contact was negligible. He was, he was clearly trying to sell the foul. Unfortunately, that is not what VAR considers. Why did VAR call the referee to the monitor after he judged what seemed to be two players aggressively battling for the ball to be a foul? This is where the conversation between VAR and a referee is essential. My guess is that Feliciani totally missed Kane's arm touching Ferroni's face. Therefore, VAR was able to deem this is a clear and obvious error since a referee missed an entire factor when he made the decision on the field. This is technically supportable. But does football really expect plays like this to take away goals? And this is where it becomes interesting because are you going to... How much are you actually looking at that a ref has missed or may not miss? Like, why do you, where do you draw the line here? Because the goal was scored. Because a mm -hmm. lot of that question comes out. Why are they drawing the line? It's because a goal was scored. Otherwise, they don't even look mattered. at that thing. They don't even look at that yep. thing. So it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, you know, and talk about killing the spirit of the game like we were talking about earlier. You're celebrating a goal, whatnot. Then all of a sudden, if you're in the stadium, you also have like no idea what the hell's really going on because you're not getting the conversation. You're just getting the hand signals from yeah, the official they, and everything. And yeah. it's like, man, this happened way out on the sideline. The play goes around the whole end, come back and score. It is what it is. Like I said, supportable because I answered the face. But let's keep it consistent. Let's at least keep it consistent. And we'll talk about this moving forward with Federico Chiesa, who had entered the match in the 62nd minute with Cambiaso. Kane and Wea, or sorry, not Kane and Wea. Uh, Wea had already been removed, but uh, Chiesa came on for Kane 
and Cambiaso had come on, obviously, for Costage. Moise Keane, I know he was on a yellow there, and he got frustrated moments before this, threw the ball down. I'm not taking him out of that game. I just, I no. was not going to take him out of that game. I He's not getting himself sent off. Was getting frustrated. But Max said, sometimes it's not your night. To be fair, in the end, the substitutions did work out. But for me, Vlaovic was definitely a day late and a buck short on this game. He had a good header opportunity in the first half. Outside of that, not much. Joe, you in line with me on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was, you could tell that Keane was, he was ready you know, he, he really wanted, he was gunning to score this game. He got, he, and you know what he did, he did score two goals. So like, yeah. I mean, I'm counting them. I'm counting them. Uh, the game won't count them, but um, yeah, like, like you said, Al, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't looking to get sent off. He was getting a little frustrated. That referee was a little yellow card happy in terms of descent. Like we talked about. And yeah, I don't know if that was exactly the, the right, the right call to make um this was more not vlahovic's night compared to keen so i would i would have subbed him instead yeah that's kind of how i was uh feeling uh nonetheless uh keen didn't talk to anybody didn't i find me he went straight through the tunnel the frustration was all around him so in the end maybe it was the right move from max allegri so maybe my hope is is that someone in the locker room or like Allegri or whoever was like, you scored two goals today. Like you, you like keep hold on to that because yeah. he, he really did. He did score two goals. Yeah. But I don't think the frustration had anything to do with the sub, to be honest, or Max or anything like some are trying to put, this is literally frustration because he believes that he scored two good goals. And to be honest, yeah, they were good. So, it is what it is. Moise, keep doing what you're doing. That is beautiful. In Milan, I would have not taken you out of that game. And to be honest, even last night, I probably would have kept you on. Uh, but keep it going, brother. Keep it going. Now, substitutions. Again, other than that, I had no problems with it. Chiesa, literally the first touch he gets, man. Cuts inside. Tries to curl one back post. A little too close centrally. Montipo gets a save. But Chiesa's raring to go right from the outset. Beautiful stuff. 68 minute. McKinney makes a great run from the right wing back roll. Locatelli on the ball. Able to get Locatelli on the ball. This was a beautiful feed from him. He... Cuts it back. McKinney cuts the ball back. Dusan Vlaovic missed it, thankfully, because it falls at the feet of Federico Chiesa. I'm thinking there it is. That is 100% the goal. Hits it on the carpet, man. Gets blocked. Three Verona guys in front. I'm thinking smash this thing. The roof of the net. Straight, yeah. Kind of hit it going back post uh, low, and it gets blocked. It comes back out to Loka. He smashes the thing. Hits Chiesa. Goes out again, and I'm thinking this is probably not the day. That's my gut feel immediately after, right, Joe? It's just like one of those days it ain't happening for us. I was like, we're not we're not winning this one. Uh, yeah. Every, everything's going to happen to not win this. Yeah. And then to just add to this with us, Federico Chiesa, we're starting to put more and more pressure as time is going. I started to say on the watch along, the, the minutes started to feel like seconds, okay? Because you're just like, oh, my God, guys. Like, we got to score. We got to score. Chiesa. Takes his man on 1v1, cuts inside, hands to the face, hands to the face, takes him down. There's a trip on the back leg. There's contact on the back leg. Okay, we're going to look at this right. Play goes on, whatnot. 
not looked at, not looked at. Oh man, you've got to be kidding me. So I don't like this one at all. I had major, major problems with this one. So Kies had taken down in the penalty area. L'Arbitro Nick on this play, Kiesa dribbles into the penalty area, beats the Verona defender, but is taken down. Feliciani immediately waved off any appeals before they even started. Here are a few considerations. Does the player touch the ball after making contact with the opponent? Hell no. Not even close, okay? Does the player have a chance of playing the ball in a fair manner? No, because he had to go through Kiesa, who had position, Okay. And we also see Chiesa tripped from behind considering how the contact was made and that the defender had no chance of playing the ball as Chiesa clearly had him beat and was in position. I was shocked this was not called a penalty kick. Feliciani was in the perfect position to make this decision which is likely also why VAR did not send him to the monitor. A referee's on-field judgment is always supposed to carry the strongest rate with the referee right on top of the play at a crucial moment. Football wants us all to trust that the referee feels the heat of the challenge and properly sees the context on the field. When a referee waves a play like this off from perfect position and possibly judges that Kiesa went down easy, this puts VAR in a very tough spot to consider this a clear and obvious error. All of football needs to get their shit together and come up with better protocol on these. This should have been a penalty kick. It's a PK. It's a PK. Is there anybody on the live chat that felt that wasn't a PK? Like, that's a PK. I've seen less cult. Let's be serious here. That's That just yeah. continues with Feliciani not having a good game whatsoever at officiating. But, uh, hey, eh, oh, hey, woo. Michi di nessuno. The 91st minute, we were throwing everything in the kitchen sink at these guys, okay? Locatelli, nice ball over the top, looking for Milik. Milik was an absolute unit when he came in. Perfect target man, settling the ball, moving it around. He flicks this ball right into the path of Yildiz. Holy Christ, I've never wanted to see a goal more than I wanted that one. And for Yildiz, what a moment that would have been. He puts it over the bar. I was screaming. I was oh, screaming. Oh, man. I wanted that one bad. Desperately for the youngster, okay? Not happen. Again. Again. Is what it is. It felt like it just wasn't going to fall. Just wasn't going to fall. 96 minute. Miretti carries it in. He's around the left edge of the area. Switches it all the way over to the far side. Gatti has got a little bit of space. We got players in the mixer. Fino alla fucking Fina. Let's go. Put it in the mixer. Gatti with a ball. Back post. Who's there? Milik who came on and was an absolute unit heads this thing off the post a scramble but Cambiasso comes in and smashes it home rips the tarp off runs to the corner I'm losing it let's go everybody there you go and immediately on the watch along the chihuahuas had to say their piece they just had to say their piece undeserved undeserved they threw out undeserved lucky what not Give me a break. That game should have been comfortable. 
Verona did nothing. But there you go, everybody. The football gods played true. Juve against all odds. Amici di nessuno. We get the job done. Joe, how how much were you losing it when that thing gets smashed into the net by Cambiasso? Dude, I would, I just yeah, I was like, like, I think I did that for maybe like five minutes, and yeah. uh, I felt so good for the kid. You know, yeah. I I saw that picture of him in 2010, and I was like. He made that kid happy today. He really did. Oh, man. It was unreal. It was unreal. Quickly going back, just to sum things up. You guys, there are a few in the chat talking about would have been a soft PK or minimal contact. Guys, come on. It's a trip. He contacts the back of the legs. Nowhere in the rules does it state you have to contact the legs aggressively or whatnot. No, it's soft or not. I always laugh at that. It's contact it's tripping the leg it's hitting the back of the leg and the part that made me laugh was the hands up to the neck and face because you pulled away you pulled away the goal for the same thing on Ferreoni. you've set a precedence it the whole thing's laughable but the trip come on come on you guys it has nothing to do has nothing to do and I know that Dom's saying he dove. You're trying to call it. No, what he did was hold up once he gained the position. Why? To draw the trip. To draw that mm-hmm. contact. Again, Get you see foul. this all across. It's it's not a dive when the contact is there. It's a dive when there's no contact. He froze up the second he gained position on that guy, knowing exactly what was going to happen, that that guy's clumsy. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The bo- and the fact that they didn't even look at it, I'll tell you why. Well, you're going to know why. We've all been talking about why they don't look at it. And Nick just gave you the reason too. The ref's standing right there looking at it. But it doesn't mean... If you spend a whole game talking about how shit a ref is, and then you're going to take that, come on. I respectfully disagree, you guys. Respectfully disagree. It's a reach here. It's a reach. But nonetheless, you guys, you can disagree with me. I don't care. Because we're top of the table, okay? Three points. For now, we got some other games that we can now sit back with, watch, enjoy, okay? And hopefully we see what happens. In the end, what was deserved came. The fact that the Chihuahuas say that was undeserved, how? 30 total attempts to eight from Verona? Eight big chances created by Juve, zero from Verona? What are, we, what are they talking about undeserved? Two goals called back. A PK, okay, even if we don't want to call the PK, don't call the PK. Chance after chance. If that doesn't deserve the victory, I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know what the hell mm-hmm. it is, okay? Mm-hmm. But we got through. Holy shit. We got through it. That's all that counts. The three points, okay? The three points. Man of the match in this one, for me, it's clear. It was Moise Kane. Kane. Yeah. All day. The, you know, we'll talk about outside performances and players because Kostic had fans, and I'm curious to see how the live chat feels on this one and everything about, you know, Kostic's performance. Because for me, while he was frustrating, for sure, through the first half, a lot of our chances came through him in the first half too, the ones that we did get and whatnot. So it's kind of mm-hmm. one of those things like, man, like I said, he was taking you through all the emotions. It was, you know, great. 
was okay, it was bad, and then it was absolutely horrific. All in one half football. But Kostic, like, again, probably good call for uh, Allegri because Cambiasso ended up being the one that won it, but I would have had Cambiasso start. And I think in the mm-hmm. next game against Fiorentina, I'm going with Cambiasso. Joe, what are your thoughts on Kostic right now? Mixed bag. Yeah. Very much a mixed bag. Uh, we all know that he's a one-trick a one trick horse. Uh, like if <laughs> you've seen the memes of like the PlayStation controllers and he's just square, you know, like he's just, he's a cross button. That's all. That's what he does. And uh, he does it well. But other than that, uh, not a whole lot. Um, you're right that a lot of our opportunities came through him in the first half. But I also agree with you in saying that were it me, I would have started Cambiazzo. Um, he is the starter for me. Uh, and I would very much start him versus uh, Fiorentina in the next game. Um, but I, I, I also, I appreciate Kostic's work rate. I appreciate his stamina. Um, I mean, you even saw it last season when Allegri basically, Allegri, used every single drop that Kostic had. Um, but right now, the wind is in Cambiazzo's sail, so you got to go with him, seriously. Yeah. And this is something that I, again, point out to, we'll go back yes. to talking about this game. Okay, 100%. so uh, here we go. I said at halftime, what did I say? We got to get central more. We have to central. utilize that space. Games where Kostic really sticks out sometimes as uh, kind of brutal or rough is essentially when they shut down those flanks and there's too much to deal with. Um, you usually can't get a whole lot, but he still managed to get quite a bit for creation in the first half. But we needed to attack centrally. Cambiasso. His movement is epic because he goes everywhere. And this opens up lanes for other players. Uh, Weya was doing it in the first half a little bit. And I said, go to it more. Because if you're going to bomb your Metsalas forward, make them come inside centrally. Make your wingbacks come centrally. And then McKenney and Weya almost were utilizing this circle pattern where McKenney would push up, Weya would come back in, and then McKenney would just circle back on the flank, and then Weya would take in centrally. That's fine. Just keep it moving. But we had to get in centrally. And in the second half, that was one of the adjustments that was big. Okay, But you're absolutely right on Kostic. I think Cambiasso now should kind of be the goal. Illing Jr., everybody. Guys, I'm the same on Illing Jr. Okay, I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is or whatnot. He's just he's bottom of the totem pole and he's not going to be in the mix. And I think you know if we haven't come to terms with that now, we're never going to do it. Uh, Abhishek asking, do we see Kostic being sold this winter? No. I actually see mm. Ewing Jr. being moved in the winter Mercado, to be honest. Which is sad. Which is sad, but... Yeah. I uh, I don't know what it is. My my gut is telling me he doesn't want to extend. Um, I think there's enough interest in the homeland that I think he wants to go and also be somewhere where he's going to be getting the minutes. If this exactly. is what it's going to be like at yeah. Juve. So for me... Uh, I sadly see Illing Jr. being the one that we move in the winter, okay? Um, it is kind of sad, are you saying, Joe? But are you on the same, like, are you expecting that to kind of go down? Yeah, I'm expecting that to go down as well. I've kind of come to terms with that. Um, 
he's just not he's not getting the minutes for whatever reason. It's he got plenty of opportunities last season, and I'm just wondering what. Aside from Cambiazzo coming in on that side, I'm wondering what exactly has changed so much. Yeah, that that it warrants a, a sale, um, but that's what it's looking like. Um, I don't like it, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I uh, what I like or what I want. Um, so there's that. Yeah, it's it, it's it's one of those things. It's tough, right? Like, I mean, uh, we don't want to see it, or whatnot. Like, can we can we make sense of it? I mean. Maybe if you're going to take that money and instantly pop it into somebody, right? But otherwise, I I don't really know. I feel like it's too soon. But everybody, we got another guy, another youngster that's out there that's kind of lighting it up. And I think he's got a brace today too in Sule. So you've got a young forward that you're probably waiting to come back. Yuvi's waiting to extend him. So, you know, maybe they feel that uh, because of Yildiz, because of Sule... We don't need another young forward kind of around, and they see that one of those guys can be expendable, and that's probably it. That's probably it. Um, that's probably, probably another one of the factors. So I think there's a few things at play there, but that's how I feel with the Ealing Jr. situation. It's going to be sad, but again, something I've always said with our young guys is that you just, you're not going to keep all of them. You're not going to be able to do no. it, right? Yildiz no, is like right. labeled a phenom. And Max Allegri gave us a solid hint on how he feels about Yildiz. It's not just Max. It's everyone at Juve. Yildiz Mm -hmm. was pushing to get out of Primavera. He got sent to Next Gen. There was doubts about them being able to extend Yildiz. He got brought up to the first team. Hoisin also got brought up to the first team. They got those extensions done. Like, it's part of it is circumstances around the club right now. But I think... It's not just that, and it also gives us the sense of who they're willing to really go in on and everything. And for quite some time now that we start to think about Ealing Jr., the extension talks have just shut right down. Like, you don't hear anything about it. And that's why I think he's on the move, everybody. And yeah, yes, Cagliari, rock bottom. Uh, Ranieri, Ranieri, I think, is done. I thought he was going to get the sack last weekend. Still winless and whatnot, but it's just ugly there. Sule... Two goals will keep a, wa- a rock. And Tony Trim here, I actually agree with this point. I would base it on the opponent when looking at Kostic and Cambiaso, and based on what we're going to need and what's going I'm all for that. Wea was playing really well. Again, flexor issues. So do we really want to mm-hmm. take a chance with any of our guys right now? Hell no. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, so I wouldn't do that. We're going to get to some more performances, all right, as uh, we got to talk. Locatelli confirms the contract extension coming. We heard today it's pretty much all but done. Get finalized very, very shortly. Says Del Piero comes out and says, I really like him as a player, and he knows that. Hey, if he's good enough for Del Piero, he's good enough for me, okay? But Locatelli... Keeps getting, he, he always always gets uh sense a Dom actually earlier called him as the man of the match. We called it saying that his second half was night and day, but I felt a lot of it was because we were able to get him involved more. And a lot of that was because of Miretti, to be honest, that came in and whatnot. 
before, so Locatelli was kind of one of the guys that also benefited from Moretti coming in, moving a ton and drawing defenders around and creating more space uh, for Locatelli. Just gave gave Verona more to deal with. In terms of uh, in terms of um, Miretti, before we get to even Locatelli, how did you see Miretti's performance? I thought it was good. I mean, it was a it was a good shift, all things considered. Uh, it, like you said, Al, it was exactly what we needed, and I feel like when we play with with these two strikers, like how Allegri wants. We need to have that central presence behind them in order to make any sort of difference. And at the start of the game, we didn't have that. So that's what Meretti, that's where Meretti thrives, you know, is right in that pocket space. So, like, it was, it was much, much better and it flowed. So that, that it wasn't, it wasn't like a, uh, it wasn't an amazing performance from Miretti, but it was exactly what the team needed at that yeah. time. So it was, yeah. it was great. For me with Miretti, it's it, it, it's like, yes, some of the end product leaves you a little frustrated. He almost curled a beauty into the oh, back yeah. post there. If that thing goes in, there's a lot that of people a uh, talking a lot, a lot differently and whatnot. But for me, I like what he does. I can see what he does. I can see what he brings to the team and everything, and it's fantastic. It's just that some of that end game, I still believe... Truly, he would benefit from a loan. But right now, we can't until the winter if we bring in two mids, okay? Two mids. For me, if two you don't minimum. bring in two mids, Miretti doesn't get loaned out in the winter. If you bring in one, he still has to stay. And then I think Hans Nicolusi Caviglia is the one that gets sent out because you don't want to exactly. dwindle the numbers too much. I'm happy with the amount that we have now in the midfield, but... Also, when you look at the technical aspect and what these guys bring, don't take another guy out that's technical. So we're going to add a guy in. We all know that there's a couple guys out there on our target list that have the traits and abilities we need. You got to bring one of them in. But if you don't bring two, keep Meretti around. The loan can wait till next season as you can work in the Mercado. That's kind of how I feel with Meretti. It's one of those things where I believe and I agree with everyone that says he needs a loan. I think he would benefit tremendously but right now we do have to make sure we're covered at the same time and that's kind of how i sum it up for Miretti. in terms of locatelli i've never been on uh, the same page for the ones that have been throwing a lot of hate at him however i do recognize he needs to find consistency and rhythm in his play um mm-hmm. a lot of people were talking about that goal that came so long and I don't care how the hell it finds the back of the net and as a player you ultimately really don't care he got the goal against Milan deflected shot or not doesn't really matter it's a big boost you saw what it meant to him he's got to find the rhythm uh, I believe in Locatelli I think Locatelli could be one of the pillars for Juventus I think he's a future capitano but he's just not there yet um it's it's not like he's old either he's like what 25 years old I mean still got a ton yeah. of time uh, but maybe that goal is kind of a turning of the corner and something that he'd need desperately, and maybe we could see this consistently. Time will tell, you know? But are you with me on Locatelli? Do you have the same belief in him? Are you starting to get doubts? No, I never I never doubted 
uh, Locatelli at all, to be totally honest. I, I get the inconsistencies. I get the the sub I, I don't I don't even call them subpar performances, but I'll call it like it is. They, yeah. Like a lot of his performances have been have been leaving a lot to be desired. I'll put it that way. Um, but I think a lot of that also had to had to do with where our team is at as a collective, um, Allegri as the coach as well. I think uh, I think Loka carries a lot on his shoulders. You know, um, he's a lot is, is expected of him, and uh, I think he's still coming to terms with that. If that makes sense, and I think it's coming out, and I think that comes out in in his in his gameplay. Like you said, Al, I think the the goal against Milan will will be the turning point for him and hopefully he finds that rhythm and consistency that we all want to see from him yeah. but yes i agree he's future capitano material he's he's a future pillar of this team he's part of the whether we like it or not he's part of the spine so to speak like if you had to pick one player from each position to build a spine of the team. Yeah. For me, it would be Waj, Bremer, Loka, and Chiesa. Yeah. You know, like going up. Um, yeah. That he's part of, he's part of the spine. So yeah, yeah. he's going to, I just hope he finds the consistency. Like we, like we talked about. Absolutely. I'm absolutely like blown away I had no idea Cagliari had made the comeback and won 4-3. nil down in the 70th minute, and they lost 4-3. Two goals after the 95th minute for Cagliari. That hurts my picks for this week. And, oh, no way did I see Frozenone losing this game to Cagliari. And Ranieri just keeps that job going, eh? Hanging on by a thread. Wow. 4-3. That's insane. Insane. Congratulations. That is crazy, man. Crazy. Now, Locatelli, that's great discussion with Locatelli. Uh, David James Douglas Davies here uh, saying that uh, he believes Locatelli will be the next full-time captain as well. Bring back Sule. Yes, yes. We'll bring back. I never wanted him to leave. We're going to get into this, too. Uh, Mary is coming in here. And by the way, everybody, get the likes up. Let's go. We're almost at Storm the Barn session, all right? It's our favorite. Hello, friends. Quick opinion. The game doesn't please me. But if in the end we are Serie A champions, I'll be satisfied. So if you're talking about this particular game, I don't share the same sentiments. If you're talking about our play overall, I think there's games where certain opponents show where we need to evolve and we need to kind of balance things out and whatnot when we have a team that's clamped down like yesterday we all predicted said in the preview we might struggle here because they're going to mirror us in formation get wide and they're going to shell up it's up to us to create that's literally what the game came down to it's up to us to go out and take it and win it verona did nothing okay this game if it didn't work out and it ended a nil nil draw this is my thoughts on it i would have felt to be honest fine with the players and fine with Max Allegri it just wouldn't have been our day that's honestly how I would have I yes I would have been pissed off yes I would have been frustrated but to be honest two goals called back you know uh 
all over them for opportunities. Eight big chances created to nothing. Like, it would have just been one of those things. A chance after chance. Chiesa, with that one screaming right in the area that he shoots low, gets blocked and everything. Like, we could have won this thing. I would have just been like, it's just not the day for us to go out there and get the mm-hmm. three points. But I wouldn't have been frustrated with anything the players, other than maybe execution, if we're going to say it ended up nil-nil for not finding the goal, which I think is a fair assessment. But I definitely wouldn't have had anything against Max or anything. I maybe would have been, probably my frustration would have been not putting them under more duress in the first half. Not making the adjustment quicker to realize you need to go through the middle of the pitch more. But outside of that, we threw everything we had at them. We threw the kitchen sink at them towards the end. All of the players coming out there, Miretti, Yildiz, uh, Milik, etc. And I had no problems with our game plan. Our game plan was not an issue when you dominate the play like that and you have a team that just shells up. I would have had no problems with it. Joe, how would like? are you in the same boat? Like not looking to blame anybody necessarily if it would have came out that way? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we won that game 3 nothing. So, yeah. That's just me. I we we did we we earned that win, we earned that win, and we through hook or crook we got it. So that's yeah. that's the long and short of it, really. Yeah, I'm with you. With you, hundred clean sheets for at home for Massimiliano Allegri, second to Trapattoni at a hundred and fifty. Holy hell! That was a different era, man. That is insanity, man. Over Trapp's tenure, 150 clean sheets at home. Madonna. Wow. Yeah. Um, We're going to talk about this and get into, like, essentially this team. This team, this club right now, obviously, holding down uh, top for now till the other matches later today. But where's your sense of belief at? Like, this keeps coming up with Scudetto contenders and everything. The defense is solid. Uh, getting the clean sheets. That's five consecutive clean sheets for Juventus now. If you take away the uh, debacle at Sassuolo, that's two goals allowed in nine games. Okay? Because four of them came in that match. Uh, and Gatti even put one in us, so whatever. But uh, <laughs> how do you feel about it? Are you believing now? Are you still not there? Like, where's everybody in the live chat? Do you guys believe now, or are we still hesitant? Yeah, let, yeah. Seriously, let us know uh, in the comments. But um, I'm, I'm still, I'm still managing my expectations. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything regarding the the scudetto. Like, if we're contenders or or not. I still see, like, sure, the defense is great. I don't think that we have any problems in that department, really. It's the final third of the pitch where we really need to put the work in. And I know that from the start of the season, we've been talking about the offensive coordinator, what's his name, Mayanelli, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's his name. And um, the work that he's been trying to implement but it always seems that in certain instances or certain games, we revert back to last season where we, where we crumble and we have no idea what we're doing. We're slow at passing. We're just passing back to the keeper and making the safe passes. 
no movement in the box, players getting isolated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I could list, keep going. Yeah. So that's my main concern. And that's where I see that we have a lot of work to do and a lot of room for improvement to make. So until we fix that, I don't, I'm, I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic about a Scudetto, let alone top four. Yeah. So I me. think for me, it's, there's a big one coming up right after the break, everybody. And I see, you know, Tony Trim's talking about it now. I think, you know, if you want to truly gauge yourself, the thing that comes out of the Milan match is that if we want to gauge it on that, it wasn't very good, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, got the it job was done, was sound defensively, but lacked that balance. And that's not a team on paper that scared me. Adley, no, Reindeers, they... uh, Musa in the midfield, Florenzi as one of the backs, uh, uh, Chia, like... It's just not a team that scared me. And the way we played at even strength, it it sticks with me. So I'm a little hesitant. But I've always, even from day one, everybody knows my prediction in the summer. It still remains. And I thought with one, with one competition to play in, we should be competing for the Scudetto, at least in the race until the bitter end. And I still believe we will be that. But that game against uh, the Merdazzurri coming up will tell us a lot more about where we're going to stand and how we're going to, you know, be throughout. But another wild card is that, you know, Scudetti sometimes are won based on how you get through these games, the Veronas and everything like that and not dropping mm-hmm. points. So not dropping anything yesterday uh, in terms of a draw was massive for Juventus. So far, the blip remains that Sassuolo debacle. And hopefully we've learned our lesson We've said that a lot in the past as well, but hopefully this time we truly have. Uh, But there's one thing about this game that stands out to me, and it's the fact that I do feel there's a sense of progress in terms of the locker room, in terms of growth from this team. And the reason is, is because I'm not so sure if I look back to this team over the past few seasons that I don't necessarily believe that they would crumble in a game like that yesterday when you have two goals called back and it's not going your way and the officiating feels to be pretty brutal that's an easy one to throw in the towel and walk out with a tie that's an Mm -hmm. easy one to walk out of it but man they fought they went after it the urgency picked up and picked up and picked up until the bitter end so that for me shows a big sign of progress. I'm actually ecstatic about that because if there was ever a game to kind of throw in the towel, it felt like that was the one and just say, you know what? It's not our night. It's going to be a draw, but they didn't do that. And for me, I loved that aspect of this game. Joe, anything? Do you, do you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, no, I, I feel that. I definitely feel that too. They, uh, that is definitely a mentality change from last season where you're right like they probably the team probably would have just been happy with with a tie you could feel the sense of urgency you could feel that they were really trying to go for it um had that had Cambiazzo not finished that uh that chance I think that there would have been a lot of um hard feelings isn't the right term but there would have been a real sense of like we 
could have done better. We tried to do better. So yeah. they probably, I feel like they would have gone into the next game with a better, in a better headspace compared to last season. So yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I can see what you're saying there, Al. Yeah. Animesh believes the winter Mercado will define the season for us and where we end up. Uh, Tony Trim saying it's personally the big clash against Inter that will tell us a lot about where we will be head of the season. Mm-hmm. Um a no right now for Juve Boy 99 from South Africa. Much love, brother. Problem is, we play with no real game plan. This is interesting because, honestly, I, I, I feel like we're seeing that there is a game plan. Okay? Because when we play the it's sides just a game that plan we, we don't like. Well, when we play the sides that we're going to control and whatnot and get after, like... It, 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 it comes down to us, like, that game, but against Milan, you know, it feels like when we're playing the stronger teams, we're still going back to old habits of shelling up. Yeah. Yep. The problem is, for me, is, like, you, you can be defense first against those sides where you're cautious, but you still have to keep the balance in play. And for me, that comes down. For me, it's the middle of the park and what we do in the middle of the park. I think that is crucial yes. for Juventus. I think that's where maybe the right moves in the winter can really make me feel get rid of that hesitancy as far as what we can do that's kind of where we're at okay for me for me personally um in terms of vlaovic so vlaovic taking a lot of heat as usual um that last game so he just come back from injury he hasn't scored since mid-september but again he he's been off but uh guys like What's your thoughts on Vlaovic in general? Because right now, even on the watch line, he took so much heat for yesterday's performance. And where are you at with uh, with Vlaovic? I mean, I the talent is there. The the willingness is there. I mean, even if you, I don't know if uh, you've seen the clip of him yesterday in the, in the stands after he got subbed off and after. Cambiazzo scored he was the first guy like he ripped his shirt off to it he was like he was like yeah um when the final whistle blew um so the spirit is there I just yesterday was it was Keane's game yesterday it wasn't Dusan's game I think I don't think Allegri is utilizing Vlaovic well at all um and I think Vlaovic has scored in spite of Allegri's system and Allegri's tactics. Uh, like we've seen last season, how he was an, on an island all by himself. Uh, and that could be said of any one of the strikers, to be totally honest. Um, and I don't think the two-striker system is just how Dusan operates. So it, it's complicated. He's a top tier striker. You 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 put him in any other team, in any league, I guarantee you he's going to score. Yeah, I just don't. It, it's just not working for him right now. And like you said, just coming back from injury, getting back into the swing of things, it's you you can't knock the guy for for that. I don't think it was for a lack of trying that he didn't score yesterday, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
it's tough with uh, Vlaovic because I believe like he can be top tier. I've, I'm kind of leaning towards agreeing with you in terms of I'm not so sure he can do it with us. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of have those doubts like it's not really panning out. The other thing that I'm seeing clear as day right now is that Keane is surpassing him by quite a bit. Um, Keane had struggles with touch. Keane had struggles with controlling the ball and everything. And you start to see these games and these consistent showings from Keane where you're like, wow, okay. Like the only thing missing for Keane is the goals. But we can't say that for Vlaovic because there's quite a few other of those other things that are missing for him. So for Keane to kind of hit that stride and to get all these things corrected and go, I yeah, I'm kind of looking at Vlaovic and... Like I, I, I need more. I, it has to be more. It has to be more based on the price tag, based on what's going on. But I don't, I don't know. There's doubts there for me. Um, unfortunately, he needs to, he needs to turn that around. Um, it's tough for our forwards in general. I feel because not a game like yesterday. Because a game like yesterday, they should be bagging some goals. There was opportunities mm-hmm. to be had. Uh, Keen should have side-footed that left one into the back post. That should have been one for sure that would have counted for him. Uh, he had the one against Milan before the end of the first half there. Like, those have to... you got to put those at least on target. At least they got to go mm-hmm. on target. you got to get absolutely stonewalled by a keeper or something. But for the most part, when we play the tougher matches, we play the Milans and whatnot, the service and the chances dwindle. And that's where it gets very, very difficult for these guys. And to me, to be honest, I think out of all three of our guys, these guys need chances to get that goal. They need to generate, you know, three, four opportunities to get that one goal. We don't have that out-and-out killer like, you know, an Iguain where, fuck, he could be quiet all game and then score like one that he has to put in. They're Mm -hmm. not those guys, right? And that's where I think... It comes into us questioning game plan. It, it comes into us questioning everything because we can see that and we know it. We know that these guys are not the killers. So when we line up against a stronger team, we go into a shell. It lacks balance and we're not getting five, six opportunities. Well, there you go. Now, all of a sudden, they look even worse, right? So it's kind of one of those things where balance has to be achieved through the game plan as well because you got to realize if you're too one-sided on the defensive side it's probably not going to work out for guys like uh, Vlaovic and Moise and Milik that's how I Mm -hmm. honestly feel when I watch this team this team needs the opportunities I also spoke out a lot about it uh, yesterday on the preview to the game like I don't believe in this thought process that's kind of floating around right now around football that you you either have to be defensive or you have to be offense like you have to pick one Napoli was anything but a defensive team yesterday and a, or last year and allowed the least amount of goals in Serie A okay mm-hmm. Man City is not a defensive side whatsoever allow the fewest goals because you can't get the ball because you can't get the ball and I think we've got a lot to achieve in terms of balance still okay but as far as can we do this? Can we make that Scudetto run? Oh, yeah. We can make the run. We can make the run. Let's get to Winter Mercado, and I think we're going to get some uh, additions. Do you think 
my theory is one attack, one attacker, one midfielder. What do you think in your gut is going to happen, Joe? I think that's a good spread, to be totally honest. Yeah, I, w- I could see an attacker and, and a midfielder. I have a question that came in that said, do you think with Keane kind of elevating his game as of late that we see a switch to a three-man front and utilize Keane, Vlaovic, and Chiesa? That is what I would like, personally. I would like uh, 4-3-3, but we just don't have the... Or even a, a three... What would it be? A three-five? No. I'm trying to think of how it, how it works out. A 3-4-3. Three, three. Yeah, 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, we don't have the personnel for a back four. We the, that's I think that we've talked about it before from the beginning of the season. We don't have the personnel to work a back four. Um, or at least we don't have the defenders to balance out a back four. Uh, but I would like a front three at least. Um, how that would work out, I'm not exactly sure yet. Uh, Allegri is an incredible creature of habit, and uh, he's been rocking this three-five-two for forever. And um, I think his mentality is: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and he keeps getting results with it. We're not going to really see that change. So, yeah. I would prefer a three-four-three, but I don't think that I don't see it happening. It's it's a tough one. So, yesterday we did see us drop back into a four-man back system where Bremer and Gatti made up the two center backs. We had McKinney on one side, Cambiaso on the other, mm-hmm. and then of course Miretti had come on, Yildiz had come on, Milik was on. We still had Chiesa on the pitch, so it's going to be interesting to see. But uh, Getting Keane out there to form a trident, he was highly successful, but he was also playing with some key guys at PSG, but he can do it. He can do it. It's one of the things that people that were kind of talking about Keane and defending Keane had said that one of his things is the versatility. He doesn't have to be stuck in one of these uh, striker roles or whatnot. He has the ability to play out there on a wing. It's something that's available to Max. And what I talked to, we got into a little bit of a 4-3-3 or three-man trident talk yesterday. And it feels like we keep getting it leaked. We keep hearing that he's testing out, you know, 4-3-3 and all this. But I said, pay attention to the players he's using when you're hearing that and it's coming out of practice. Because for me, it's the guys that haven't been the 1A choices which means to me it's more him mirroring what he expects to see out of the opponent and get ready for games. But but I still wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see him change, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him change to it. And uh, Abhishek, easily, easily, it's Vlaovic that occupies the nine role. Keen plays out wide. On the wing, there's no way you're putting uh, Vlaovic out on no. the wing. Um, absolutely no chance. It's easily keen there. Um, this is uh, it's it's something that's interesting that I don't think can kind of be pushed aside. Like we have to really take a look 
at what Keen's doing and right now, and he's made himself a mainstay. And if we're going to continue in the way we are right now, Keen for me is ahead of the other two to start matches. Like, and it's yeah. by quite a margin right now at the moment. Milik, Milik, I've been saying this. I like him off the bench. He, he yes. can, he has such a solid impact when he comes in against those tired legs. But I can't help but feeling this way. And I don't know if I'm the only one, but I feel like every time Milik starts a game, I end up wanting so much from him. And I'm like left like, oh man, that's not what I saw out of you last time. And then I think, and it's like, fuck man, he came on as a sub. And every time it feels like, man, he came as a sub. He came in as a sub, changed the game. I like Milik as a sub. And right now, yeah. Keen is my go-to Milik as a sub, but Vlavic, he's got to get his minutes and he's on a lot of money, but the contract extension talks are there. Who knows what's going to happen? But a three-man trident and a switch, it's definitely available there for Max. Whether or not he's going to take it or not, time will tell. Let's see. Everybody, get your Storm the Barn, the questions in. Now we have time for a few of them. Okay, we ran a little extra on some of these extra um topics that just kind of popped up but that's why the live chat's great don't forget to like the video please everybody all right top of the table for now baby Calgary in just a psycho game what, See what game. happens uh with the rest of them inter milan and roma uh milan and napoli i saw that animesh had asked uh or i don't know if it was animesh but somebody was asking what we believe will happen in those uh matches i'm gonna say this right now what I'd like to see is obviously Roma win and a draw with Milan Napoli. Yeah. And maybe if we just go with that and we'll try and manifest it for everybody, okay, let's go with that just to manifest it. But, you know, I, I'm i just going to leave it that I think I, I think Napoli is going to get the victory against Milan, and I, which yeah. would still be okay technically for us because I don't think either one of those teams is convincing. And I just... I, I'm going to try to manifest it, guys. I just don't know if I believe in Roma being able to... Uh, to you can't, get you can't count on them for anything. Can't count yeah, on them you just... Uh, it's setting yourself up for such a disappointment if you're begging on them to get something. <laughs> I'm just going to maybe, like, just watch and just say whatever happens, happens, obviously. But uh, you never know. Lukaku coming back in there would be nice. Would be nice. I'd be here for it to see him uh, silence uh, San Siro, but... I'm not going to hold my breath on uh, Roma doing it, but hopefully they do. Hopefully they do. Uh, Joe, is there anything we tackled today that maybe we missed, you know, and everything that we did tackle? Is there a question you have before we get some Storm the Barn questions coming in? And guys, fire your questions away. Yeah, um, a question for you, Al, and for everybody in the live chat. If we do bring in an attacker, who would it be? Who's available and who would you want in in that in that role as well? In which as. role? In the in an attacking role. Like if we for the winter mercato, if we're looking for an attacker, I know we're looking for a midfielder. Uh, ideally, we'd want two. My two would be Kefren Taram, which is uh, ideal, and Samadzic, who I know we're we're really gunning for. But I, I I don't know who we're linked with in terms of attack, and I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about uh, man who your options would be. I 
I don't really like any of the there's been very little for links in the attack i mean you got sat jaden sancho which mm, i'm probably right. in the minority and not l- wanting but everybody wants kind of seems like we can do something there or whatever uh, i think I that's really hard like it um something's off to me about that move well for me with sancho i've said it like from the start if we take away the nonsense and you want to put the uh, Manchester United tax on this guy and everything like that, look, even when he made the move to the big club and whatnot, he did nothing with Man U from the get-go before all the nonsense happened, before Ten Hag and all that. Like, he just, like, just no. So, the other thing is, too, there may be issues there, character issues, and right now, I feel like we've kind of cleaned up and i don't want to get into the details of whatnot but i feel like there's a good vibe lately around the locker room at juventus and i feel like we've gotten rid of some guys that could have probably been issues there maybe one main guy that might have been a serious issue in the locker room okay and i think you all know who i'm talking about you know but i i just don't want to take that chance or take that risk and i get it that it could be a final like the second half of the season low risk whatever that's that's fine but you're still doing it with a guy that really never actually did produce much in the get-go at his first crack at the big club. I just, I don't think it's necessary. It, out of all the attacking links that we've got, even though I don't want him either, I honestly think Berardi would make the biggest impact on the team. And his age, whatever, all that, he would probably impact the team the biggest, even though I don't want him out of the targets we have yeah he's probably the one that would make the biggest now keep in mind romeo gresti said we are not splashing in the winter he says we are not splashing period whether it's mid whether it's attack whatever so i don't even expect that to happen samardzic i am going to manifest the shit out of this because i think he checks all the Mm -hmm. boxes bring me samardzic in the winter mercado if it's not an attacking player Sudakov is interesting and intriguing. He is. He is. Give me your thoughts on Sudakov. Like he's intriguing. He is very intriguing. He He is. Look up his highlight reel. He he has. He's got some chops. I've been like I've been trying to dig on like reviews on him, articles written and whatnot, and obviously, yeah, you watch clips and stuff. But I try to like dig deeper. I try to find like fans of that club and try to look at comments they've made on that player and everything like that. Like he's uh, very, very intriguing because in the midfield and whatnot, but very attack oriented and can slot in behind forwards and whatnot. So he is an intriguing option. I wouldn't be surprised if you see like a Samar, because Samarjic, if you go loan with right to redemption and then you bring in like a Sudakov as well, that's low cost. That makes more sense to me of moves Juventus could do and could pull off. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking Currently. more along those lines, right? But it's going to yeah. be interesting. Out of the attack ones, though, I prefer Berardi out of the links. Where do you? Would you take a shot on Sancho, Joe? Uh, the whole move kind of puts me off um, strictly for the disciplinary reasons. And, I mean, I was talking with um, people in the... Uh, Juventus Club Empire State chat 
uh, also join your join a join a club if you guys haven't. Uh, it's worth Absolutely. every penny. Um, love our clubs. But I was talking with them. I posed that same question, and it was a mixed bag. Some people really wanted him, uh, thinking that even if it's just temporary, you know, given the talent that he has exhibited in the past, that it's it warrants a a move. Um, one one thought crossed my mind uh, that someone posed in the, in the chat, and I I don't remember who it was, um, but it was like. If we do sign him and we bring back Sule, then what? Like, what? Where's the utility there? Um, and of course, the ever-present thought that Allegri's just going to play Sancho at wing back as opposed to as opposed to an out-and-out winger um, is a legit a legit concern. So, a lot of stuff a lot of stuff to think about with that yeah. with that one move. I'm with uh, Abhishek 100%. We know we need the creative yes. creativity in the midfield. Yesterday, another prime example, one of many prime examples. Dell says, Sancho excites me a lot more than Berardi, to be honest. Yeah, he can excite you, but again, you're banking on a guy <laughs> that just didn't produce at a big club, right? Berardi, he's, he could probably, I think, impact us more in Serie A than... Someone else, but I get it. I get it. It's 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 a flashier. It's, a, it's the sexier. It's a flashier. Yeah. It's a flashier car in front of you. Okay, Berardi's like that Chevy Cavalier, and Sancho's kind of like looking at that cool sports car. I was like, okay, I, I want to get. I want to get that. Okay, I get it. I get it. Berardi's a Chevy Cavalier. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, people feel that we can resurrect uh sancho into the dortmund days and uh, we could get a ferrari out of it maybe maybe okay maybe unlikely you know ten hag handled the sancho situation i've said this about ten hag for a while i think zlatan ibrahimovic nailed nailed it spot on with his assessment of ten hag and zlatan had a great interview with piers morgan of all fucking people but Great interview. And he said that uh, I think the the difference is that you come from a club like Ajax, which obviously a big club there, but they're feeders around the world of football. You know, they are also feeders, but big there because they still get the job done and whatnot and still provide good young talent out there and sell them and keep them moving. But he says it's different when you go to a big club, even though Man U hasn't been like a big club for they still are a big club and he says it's different History. and the players the the uh, egos the personalities that you bring in are completely different so he's like you just i think he said he thinks ten hag is has to grow and has to learn my theory i've always said this because it came out even during his time at ajax that he was just brutal it's like be, it was like being with a dictator or whatnot and I just don't, uh, I don't see him being able to do it at uh, big clubs. There was a lot of people that were screaming for Ten Hag, and I think, based on the football that he wants to achieve and whatnot, that's great. But I just don't think he's got it when it comes to the personalities. I, re- I really, really mm-hmm. don't. Um, there was yeah. a question coming in, um, right here. Uh, Allegri needs to talk with Gatti about aggression. What do you say? He definitely gave that boy a uh, Juricha Rick Flair chop to the chest yesterday or the gut. Right in the sternum, just bang. He's done that a few times and whatnot. I, he got Jurich to react later on in the game. Jurich got a yellow card. Um, but uh, 
I don't mind a little bit of nastiness. And I think Juve needs a bit of an asshole. And when it comes from the defensive roles, I know we get a little bit we get a little nervous because you don't want them being overly aggressive and getting carded and whatnot. But I don't mind a little bit of nastiness at the back. But I come from the days of, you know, Montero and even Ferrara who knew how to get under your skin. And I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with a little nastiness. Tudor back in the day, like, I'm okay with that, to be honest. And I think right now, I don't see it as overly aggressive or a problem. Joe, what do you think? I, I'm, I'm with you, Al. I'm from the same era. It's, uh, yeah, why would you, why would you, uh, castrate Gatti like that? You know, like let, let him, let him, let him have that, that high testosterone attitude. We need, we need that asshole on the pitch. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I don't think it's a cause for concern at the moment. Now, we got Tony Trim coming in. You asked yesterday if I had any questions and I had forgot. Have you guys watched the Beckham doc on Netflix? He was rumored to join Juve in before he was sold to Real. Beck's at you. You know what's funny? When I watched that doc, and uh, I'll be honest, I haven't completed it. I think I've watched like, I can't remember. Is there four uh, sessions There's four episodes. Yeah, I think I'm like on the second and uh, like partway through the second. You kind of forget just how fucking good he actually was. Like, he's one of those players, like, man, he was so good. And some of the goals, like his Man U days, holy Christ, some of the goals he was bagging, Bex was mm-hmm. sick. But, you know, I think what tainted is I saw the Bex towards the end. And that's still fresh with me. It was like even at Milan, you know, it was pretty, pretty tame. And then, of course, LA Galaxy, which was nothing at that time and everything. Uh, it was big for LA Galaxy and it was big for MLS, whatever happened back there. But he became kind of the guy that was like the name and it was all flash, but not much substance right. to it at towards the end. And that kind of stuck with me. But man, during his Man U days, Bex was crazy. Bex was crazy. Even for Real, he was good. He was good for Real. It was after, you know, it kind of started to fade off. But. Um, Bex to join Juve at the time would have been, uh, would have been pretty interesting. Would have been pretty interesting. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, the character would have fit quite well based on the characters we had around at that moment in time, because we were in very much in the midst of that pure Grinta. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. Flash guy like that and whatnot. I, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird one to me to think Bex and Juve at that point. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of. So we're thinking like this is Lippy era, correct? Yeah, we'll pull it up here and I'll give you the date so you can actually have something that kind of sticks with you. But uh, hold on. I but think Bex, it was. Yeah. But he, he would have been an interesting character. I don't think, I uh, I think he would have done, I think he would have, at that point in his life, Italy would have been a good place for him. Yeah. In terms of style and um, lifestyle, all that good stuff. I think that Italy would have been a good move for him in terms of all of that. 
Um, but in terms of the team structure itself, because he know went to like went. yeah, like he went to MLS and then I believe he came back into Europe. Yeah, I think so. Like PSG yeah, was it? Right. Like a brief stint? A brief stint at PSG, brief stint at Milan. Um, yeah, it got it. Yeah, like so. I, I'm just trying I'm to find to here. Actually, get the timeline in my head, but um, he had the one year in uh, Milan, and I think he made like ten appearances. Uh, jump, yeah. So ten appearances, it looks like for Milan. Mm-hmm. He jumped to um, MLS, um, or he had two seasons at Milan. Two seasons at Milan. Twenty-one appearances between both those seasons. Jumped to MLS. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. And it, he wasn't even, even when he was making that run there in, uh, MLS, it was nothing crazy. It was nothing crazy. Yeah. So I just, at that point, his career was, was pretty done. Yeah. So when you leave uh, real and to be honest, even, uh, with, uh, real, uh, he had towards the end of it, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't much there nothing. to his game. So yeah. I wouldn't have really, wouldn't have really been too crazy on it or whatnot, but if the deal was right, sure. If he was mm-hmm. connecting with all our guys and feeding those crosses in, uh, I'd probably still to this day bank on one of his crosses rather than Kostic's. But, hey, to each their own. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of fun fantasy talk there. But, uh, you guys, hey, it's been a great weekend so far, okay? I know that some some still hesitant to really truly I- embrace and enjoy. I'm telling you right now, enjoy yesterday for absolutely everything it was that was a game that was fully deserving a victory from juventus and in the end we got it okay we got it it was the biggest thing to take away is it was a game that was easy for juve to give up on and succumb to the draw we did not they fought for it okay they fought for it and the best part about it is the tears came, okay? So we got an Amici di Nessuno type match, okay? Where we felt it was not coming and whatnot. We got the Fino alla fine moment. We got the Chihuahuas coming in saying, oh my God, you guys are so lucky. You didn't deserve that. You know what? I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. Cambiaso doesn't give a shit what you Chihuahuas think. Juve doesn't give a shit what you think. I don't... Give a shit what you think, so there. Okay. <laughs> there. Top of the table. Let's see what happens in the others. It's nice to be able to sit back, relax, and let those fuckers battle it out. I hope they ravage each other. I hope there's yeah, well, I hope they beat the hell out of each other. I'll never wish for injuries to other people, okay? But beat the hell out of each other. Okay, and let's hope that the results fall in line and maybe, just maybe, we stick (laughs) it out on top still. All right, let's see what happens. Fino alla fine. Forza Juventus. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Like the video on your way out. I will be keeping you up to date leading into the match against Fiorentina with some daily update videos and everything. But let's see where the chips lie after these games today grazie cambiasso for the fino alla fine moment bravo to juventus bravo to max who made the changes necessary and the adjustment necessary okay 
You guys in the live chat, fantastic as always. Tony Trim, my man, thank you. Joe, an absolute pleasure as always, okay? I hope we can start getting you back here a little bit more regularly. Oh, okay, we missed you, okay? Getting ready for November early. I like that. I like that, okay? Guys, we'll probably be uh, raising funds. Everybody, King Kong giveaway next weekend. Next weekend, we'll see who wins the two 8x10s. There'll be two winners, okay? Signed 8x10 and a King Kong tee. Then we're going to get to the kits. Nine kits given away, okay? Next one on deck. Enjoy your weekends, everybody. Fino alla fine. Forza Juve. Forza Juve. Day to the rivals. Hopefully, we stay on top. Let's see what happens. Ciao, everybody. Yeah.